Good morning. We are now recording the podcast for Parshas Mishpatim. I hope people enjoyed last week's. Thank you very much to everyone who contributed to the campaign. Those who would still like to contribute, the link is up. Their sponsor this week is the Yeshiva itself in honor of all of those who contributed. Parshish Mishpatim is unusual parsh. It begins with the it begins with the Pasuk of Be'ela Mishpatim and, and these are the and these the Babachibur that <coughs> connects us to last week's Parsha. Rashi says Ma'ilu Namru B'Sinai Afeilu Namru B'Sinai just like the Big mitzvahs um, were said, at, just like everything else was said at our Sinai, so too these mitzvahs were said at Sinai. It would seem more fitting than if that's the case. And then the pastor goes on and speaks about Evadivri, which we'll get to in a moment. And and 54 mitzvahs, really mitzvahs, that are mentioned in Parshish Mishpatim. Now, um, the one would think that we, after Maimon Harsinai, which was so big and so so significant, and the Rezanda Etch of Yitzhiya Smitsayim, the beginning of of the purpose of Claudius' nation, one would think that that we should go right into the midst of Truman Tatabin, building the Mishkan, and continue with all of these um, esoteric and, and, and beautiful mitzvahs that are lofty and sublime. And when we look at the Pasuk, which is attaching us, as we said, to the parsha of Yisrael, we begin to talk about inevitably. And it's... It, let's think about that. Inevitably is a person <coughs> excuse me, who stole something and as a result of his theft, he can't pay back. So, as a result, he has to be sold as a slave. And it seems to be the uh, most mundane of all mitzvahs. And we talk about that right away after Harsinai, rather than some of the more sublime, lofty, and esoteric ideals of the Torah. So, I think that the answer is that, and I mentioned it in school this week when I spoke to the girls, this is really the exact message of the Torah. You're allowed to have an avid rework. After all, he's an avid. But, how do you have an avid rework? So, the verse says, it orders the criminal, referring to the avid who stole to be brought into the life of the family, as we might order a refractory child to be brought under the influence of Jewish family life. And what precautions does it, precautions does it surround us with with the, this undertaking? How careful it is that the self-confidence of the criminal should not be broken. In spite of the degradation he has brought upon himself, he is considered and treated as a brother capable of being loved and capable of giving love. A number of 
paragraphs later, as a verse concludes the parish of Evidivri, he writes powerful words that should really, really repeatedly reverberate us. He says, crime and poverty, these, I'm quoting a verse now, these are the two factors which in ordinary social life <coughs> are inclined to bring the respect due to every human being down to the very lowest level, right down to zero. The terror takes the criminal and the child of extreme penury and poverty and places them at the head in its laws of human rights. It's the first one that Terry talks about. It shows us thereby what is the idea of the respect due to human being are, and how insists, how it insists, the Terry insists, that this respect has to be shown to the very low class, the lowest class of society. In... Um, in placing this mitzvah as a verse in the beginning of Mishpatim, the Torah is conveying a powerful lesson that the laws which govern social conduct and interaction are just as important as the Anoichi Hashem Lekech at the beginning of the Aser Sadibris. Rav Shalom Shvadron, and we'll talk about it in a different dimension soon, but Rav Shalom Shvadron, relates how he was once working in a yeshiva where the mashkiach was in America collecting funds. He doesn't mention which yeshiva, obviously. The Bakram asked Rabshalom to say the shmooz is a substitute, and he wondered <coughs> if he should do it. Although the musr was important, he felt that if he were successful, he would cause pain to the mashkiach who regularly said it that the Bakram would compare the regular Mashkiach to their famous guest speaker. He went to consult with his rabbi, who was the great Muslim personality, Rav Chaska Levenstein, who told him the following. I'm going to quote what Rav Chaska said. We have a clear Kabbalah in our Messiah that if we had an opportunity to build a base of Mikdash, but by doing so it would cause pain to another person, Better it shouldn't be built. You hear what he's saying? That we have a clear Messiah. I'm going to try to hold on for a minute and read you the Lashon of Rebbe It's really, really something that that it's hard to it's hard to even wrap our heads around it. And he says he says like this. He says, um, sorry, I can't find it. Oh, yeah. Yeshlan Kabbalah Barura. We have a clear Kabbalah Kim. Nights and months of possession is dominant. Ludus is Besamiklus. If we would have the opportunity to build the Besamiklus, Avayesh Bezech Shashach Halisha Sadaslamishu, it'll cause mental anguish to somebody, somebody will be will be negatively impacted by it. As says one should not build the base of Mikdash. He says there was a Tamakhan that heard what what Ripsholm said and he says it's Pasha that that's the case because Mishra Abenu himself was hesitant to go to 
redeem Klal Yisrael. To redeem Klal Yisrael because he was worried and he refused for seven days because he was worried that Aaron, his older brother, um, would have a Chalisha Sadas. And the Rebbein said to him, Later on, but it's, 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 it's so important to understand these things and to believe these things. And later in the parasha we learn that as a result of, of um, that as a result of their silence during Machos that the dogs were given the carcass of an animal that became a trefa. Interestingly, in um, Parakshira, when the Kelev sings, he says, which expresses great humility. Yet we find that dogs are described as that they're, they're brazen. So generally, the shira that the animals sing, just in in, in Peric shira, the shira the animals sing, are an outgrowth of their natural instinctive tendency. So how is it that the dog, with his brazenness, he's in he's in aze nefesh? How does he sing a song that expresses such humility? To the answer is that the natural tendency of a dog is to bark when there's something that upsets the status quo. I I have an, uh, a dog that that lives next to me that must have its status quo upset all the time because it's always barking. During Marcus Bechayus, the Pasuk relates that there was a Tzalka Gedolah B'Mitzrayim and the dogs, by their nature, figured to bark loudly. We would have assumed that the barks, the dogs would have been barking loudly, yet they suppressed their instinct. As a result, they were rewarded a shira that was also the polar opposite of their natural instinct. Let's think about this for a minute. It's, it's something we have to think about. Imagine, the dogs merit a reward for eternity, because of the one time they overcame their nature to do the will of Hashem. So then it would come to... to, to logical conclusion would be that we who are the Yitzhir Kapa Shalakadish Baruch Hu crown we're the the direct handiwork of Hashem Yisbarach then it's the Nezer Abriya the crown of creation we can't even imagine it's not shy for us to imagine the profound reward that's stored for those who overcame their yetzer, who overcame their national, in, natural instincts even once in a lifetime. So we, who are the representation, as last week's parsha said, we who are a nation of princes, a holy nation, we have to make sure how careful we are with the feelings of another human being, even and maybe especially when it requires us to overcome our natural instinct. We know the Gemara tells us about the people who are 
the people who are uh, when things happen to them the person calls them the Oyavim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, person who is Mavra Amidaisav, Shemim Kherpasam Vemeshivim Vainim, they listen to their shame, they don't respond back, and these are people that are, that are so Chaviv and Chashiv to Rabbein Shloylam, and that's the Pshat. When, when we are able to compartmentalize our feelings, and to make sure that even in our distress, we don't strike out at anybody else, the scar for such a person is beyond comprehension. was learning in Slobodka, and one day he had a profoundly difficult kasha on the Gemara that he was learning. He discussed it with his two friends, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and Rabbi Kotler, think of that Chabura. And they were unable to answer it. He decided to ask the great king, was an elderly at that time, Rebleva Vilkemir, who lived in Kovna, and he would, would, was the, was once the Rav of Vilkemir, and after he retired from the Rabbanis, he just sat and learned in, in Kovna. Rebleva was astounded by the question, and after they discussed it for a few hours, it remained unanswered. Rudiman left exhausted and went to sleep shortly after arriving at his lodging. The next morning, Rudiman was startled when he awoke and saw the 86-year-old Sadiq Rebleib standing by his bed. Rudiman quickly washed, got dressed, and said and asked Rebleib why he was there. Rebleib explained that he had found an answer. He thought of an answer. He found out where Ruderman lived and came to discuss the Gemara with him. Ruderman and Rebleib was 86 years old at the time. Ruderman explained to, to Rebleib, he said, the rub must be sitting here for hours. Why didn't the rub wake me? Rebleib was shocked. And he said, wake you. Schedule Shana, stealing sleep. Stealing your sleep to tell you an answer would be a mitzvah above And we have to process this a little bit. We tend to think that godless greatness as a person grows the, the Western civilization takes power and covet and honor to be an entitlement. You could go, I, I believe there's a book or maybe a series of books that's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. We in Klaviso, Sadiqan, B'nai Torah, take a lesson from Sadiqan and they become the way that they do because they sweat the small stuff. Let's imagine for a moment that you're in a rush. You have to get someplace. You have to, on your way there, you need to pick up something from the store, whatever it is. 
And so you pull into a handicapped spot. Just for a minute. Maybe no other handicapped person comes. Maybe no handicapped person comes. Is that the way that Ibn Tayyar behaves? Is that, is that what one's supposed to do? You're driving a carpool. You're picking up somebody on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, but the going is a day off. And you go at 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.15 in the morning, you're beeping and beeping on the horn. Is that what the Torah wants from us? Balaam Mishpatim HaShetasim Lathayim tells us that that somebody who's, who's a yid has to be concerned about those actions and how those actions are in public and how those actions are in private. The great people become great, become great, and they're recognized for their greatness by how they sweat the small stuff, because they understand it's really not small. A terrorist scholar who runs roughshod over people is a layman terrorist. It's hard to call such a person a ben terrorist. We have to make sure that the Torah tells us, that the Shem Shemayim should be loved through you. We have to make sure, and I think the message of the Torah parashas mispata, is that our Beinad Mochaveri is Mahajan. As much as our Beinad Mochaveri is Mahajan. If you had a choice, in my opinion, to be machmer on something, or to be machmer on something, real things, things that make sense, things that that, that fit with your avodas Hashem, be machmer on The sometimes we think. That midas, masim tayvim, things like this, are extra pieces. They're extra credit. They're an added dimension. We're making such a huge mistake. These are the foundations. They're not extras. They're not window dressing. It's the foundation of what Torah is built on. The uh, another, another concept of Vela Mishpatim, um, the Rabbi Ruchan speaks, explains that just like the Mitzvah Ben Adam had. The purpose of connecting us to Hashem. He says the social mitzvahs of Parshat Samishpatim, Elam Mishpatim, have the purpose of connecting people to each other and to promote harmony and unity between them. For instance, when the Torah speaks about lending money and the associate laws that come with it, the Torah says, 
Rashi says, Look at yourself. Think as, look at yourself as if you are as poor as him. Rabbi Rucham's outlook lets us delve beneath the surface to the true essence of the mitzvah of Parshas Mishpata. Just like the purpose of learning Tyre and wearing Tefillin is to think about the Rebbeinah and to come closer to him, so too with the interpersonal mitzvah, see who your friend is, feel his pain, feel his burdens, you will become closer to that person. Maybe this is the meaning that we say every day when we dive in Shachris, the words of David HaMelech, Magid Devar V'yakev Chukav V'mishpatav L'Yisrael L'Yosachein L'Cholgoi Mishpatim B'Yidom HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give these Mishpatim, the Goyim don't know the Mishpatim. The Mishpatim and laws of other societies, the social rules, have the sole purpose of establishing and enforcing a social structure. Mishpatei Hashem have the added dimension of promoting true kinship rather than social structure of alone, and social structure alone. There's a fundal, in this way we can understand a fundamental difference between the mitzvahs of Torah and the laws of the nations of the world. Albert explains that religious theology is confined to the realm of the spiritual, to prayer, and the service of the divine is confined to specific places and moments. And that's how a guy looks at the world. Their theology and theocracy is a specific compartment of their life. There's an ease between the transitions from their Sunday mornings to Sunday afternoons. The laws of the Torah are antithetical to that outlook. They're not compartmentalized. In fact, there's a symbiotic relationship between Carbonus, Torah, Tefillin, and the social laws, and that's why Revolba says that there's a symbolism of placing the Sanhedrin next to the Mizbeach to teach us that in the Torah lived life, it is impossible to separate and make a distinction between Aveda of Aveda Hashem and Beinodel Mechaveri. In fact, says Revolba, being from and being deficient in Beinodel Mechaveri is the absolute opposite of what the Torah expects. Let's let's understand something. This is not Amidus Hasidus. This is the crux of Torah. I want to end with an unforgettable thought from the Sefer Leket Amarim and Tehillim. Perak men base pasuk base David Amelach says Ka'ayel Tarig Alafike Mayim Kenafshi Tarig Elecha Likim Rashi among other mafarshim we could look in it there wonders why the pasuk is asymmetrical either it should say Ka'ayel Tarig or Ka'ayel Yarig why does it say Ka'ayel Tarig Alafike Mayim why is one masculine and one feminine he answers with the Gemara in Babavasa. That says that the Ayala 
has a very narrow womb, and when it's ready to give birth, it cries out 70 sounds alluding to the 70 words in the chap 20th chapter of Tilim Yan Hashem B'yayim Tzorah. Hashem then sends a type of snake that tears at the opening so that the baby can emerge. There is also a medrash in Tilim that says that Ayala is naturally very compassionate, and when the world suffers from a lack of rain, all the animals come to her so that she cries out to Hashem, who saturates the ground with water. The Lekhan Amarim says that if the Ayala has to give birth during a time when rain is needed, she suppresses her own needs and makes herself like an Ayal, the masculine, who doesn't give birth and instead cries out first on behalf of the others, like the Ayala she truly is. As a result, the Pasuk uses the terms together to inform us of this magnificent animal that puts the needs of others before her own, her, her own pain. The, I just want to end with, imagine how different our lives would look if we mastered this. And we mastered it not as a midas chasidus, which it's not, but the primary obligation in the performance of the mitzvah is In every human relationship, there's a script that people follow, the roles that they play. When a husband sets the table for Shabbos, is he doing it because it's what he's supposed to do? Or does he see himself lightening the burden of his wife? When a child goes to clean up her room, does she resent doing it, or does she see her parents and is happy to please them? The list goes on and on, and teaching and raising children is daily practice of both sides of the Lucas. We're transmitting a Messiah. We're opening minds to Torah and hearts to Baruch Hu. We're exposing them to lofty ideals and esoteric concepts of Bein Adam Lamakim Lekanechi Hashem Lekecha Lekecha but when we transmit our chinuch, we're spending our days in a benadam lachaveri incubator. We're transmitting a, a messiah of how you relate to people and modeling the synthesis and definition of an erlachigid, somebody who's a ben teirah bas Yisrael. The demands are for us to be open 24-7. There's no breaks from this. There's no vacation from this. And there's millions of opportunities within a lifetime for one to be Kaveya, what Benadam Chaveya means. The far mistake, the, the, the far reaching mistake of our lives would be to think that Parshas Mishpatim is a parish about mitzvahs. Or to even think it's a parish about mitzvahs Benadam Chaveya. It's giving us the framework and the foundation and the sensitivity to how vital the mitzvahs of Ben Adam are. And because they're so vital, the mitzvahs of Ben Adam are the testing ground to see where we're holding in Ben Adam a good Shabbos, a good Chaydish, Mishinich Nasadim Arbim Simcha. 
it's been a difficult year for Klal Yisrael. It should be, we should be zeicha to have double simcha, in these two months of Adarish and Adarshani. Have a good Shabbos.